You are listening to Bikepacker Radio on Mountain Bike Radio. Before we get started, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting Mountain Bike Radio. And with this episode of Bikepacker Radio, I encourage you to go to bikepacker.com as you listen to this because Neil and Lindsay put together a huge resource of bikepacking information, great pictures, great information, and definitely go check it out. So enjoy this episode, and if you have any questions about Mountain Bike Radio, you can contact me at ben at mountainbikeradio.com. Enjoy this episode of Bikepacker Radio. Welcome back to Bikepacker Radio. I am your host, Neil Belchenko. And today we're going to chat um, a little bit about everything. We've got fat biking, desert bike packing. We've got some questions to answer. And then we're just going to finish up with uh, some upcoming bike packing events. But to start off, I wanted to kind of give you a little rundown of what I've been doing the past, I don't know, month or so. I guess before that, I wanted to mention that uh, Mark over at the last aid station and I got together and we did a pretty neat bike packing recap um, that kind of focused on, you know, bike pack racing and and kind of the results of basically all of 2016. I think we left out a few things that I wanted to touch on, including the Florida divide and all of the work that um, Carlos has done down in Florida. We didn't really touch on any of that stuff, but that's super super popular, especially for the people that live down in the Southeast. Um, and I don't think he gets enough credit. So, um, good work on that, Carlos and keep up, uh, keep it up. I definitely want to get down there sometime soon. It's just always tough to get down there around Christmas or right after the new year's just with work schedules and whatnot. So, so yeah, if you haven't listened to the last aid station, the bike packing recap, definitely head over to to uh, listen to Mark and I um, talk about all things bikepacking. I, I did a little uh, spiel on the Arizona Trail Race, Colorado Trail Race, some things that I haven't really spoke about yet. So um, there's some pretty good content in there if you're uh, if you're interested. Another thing, I guess Thanksgiving just happened. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I hope the holidays went well for you and yours, and I hope you ate plenty of turkey and stuffing, my favorite dish is the green bean casserole, but I need plenty of the fried onions on top, of course. And then always paired with a good IPA would be good. So I hope you had a good weekend. So Lindsay and Lindsay and I basically went to Canmore, um, I think it was October, mid-October so to the first ever bike packing or the Canadian bike pack summit. And actually it was the first ever bike packing summit. And, um, it was great. It was put on by Ryan Corey and, um, and he runs bike pack Canada and he put together a really cool itinerary with, uh, with Lindsay, myself, Josh Cato, a ton of panels, including, um, well, who was it? Uh, Scott Felter from Porcelain Rocket. Um, There's a guy from the state parks uh, up in the Canmore State Parks or Canadian State Parks. And he, they were talking about land access issues. And that actually opened up the weekend on Friday. And it was really an awesome conversation. Um, and then and then there was presentations about, you know, bikepacking with kids, tykepacking. 
um, layers from Patagonia. It was really uh, an awesome experience to be a part of. And Ryan, Ryan put in a lot of time um, to do this. And uh, I look forward to going back in, um, in the, uh, the coming years and, and hopefully be able to do something like this in, uh, in the States. So definitely keep an ear out for, for news on that. Um, so, so then I think two weeks later, I went to, um, Western central Utah to do a, uh, a bike packing trip with the Y cycles crew. If you guys haven't heard of Y cycles, it's a, um, Adam Miller, uh, who is a pretty young guy. He graduated from Colorado college. He started, or he co-founded Borealis bikes, um, with this guy, Steve and, um, Adam sold off his share to Steve and ended up starting Y cycles, which is a, a Thai focused for now. It's a Thai focused, um, bike manufacturer. So they, they make Thai, they make a Thai gravel bike, which we have in for review. And I'm actually just about finished writing a review on that and 700 by 40 C tires. It's a really cool bike. Um, you can, run kind of, I think you can run up to like 2.0 or 1.8, not sure exactly, but it's a, it's a pretty sweet drop bar gravel bike. And they also make the supple seven, which is a 27.5 plus pretty slacked out hardtail. Something that I think a lot of bike packers are resorting to now, um, because it's just an all around awesome, um, platform for bike packing. And then they also make a dirt jumper, which is kind of funny. I think uh, Adam's co the the co-founder with Adam. I, I'm drawing a blank on the name. He's big into dirt jumping, so um, that's why they made made a dirt jumper. But yeah, so I went on a trip with the Y Cycles crew, and we went to the San Rafael Swell north of I-70, and did a pretty cool route up there, and. A we we did a bunch of video footage, so that should be coming out here in the near future. But it really opened my eyes to that area. Everybody knows Western Utah. The the mecca is Moab, and you know the White Rim, the Cocopelli Trail. But this area is definitely underrated, and and it led me to go back there with Lindsay two weeks later, and we scouted out a route south of I seventy. Um, in that exact same area, the San Rafael Swell. And it, we brought, uh, it was like a 140-mile route from basically I-70 south to um, Capitol Reef and then Goblin State Park through a ton of BLM land. It was the majority of it, I would say 99% of it was BLM land. And it was really a cool experience, um, really desolate area. I think we saw two cars before we got to Goblin State Park, which is a pretty popular area just south of I-70, pretty close to Green River, the town of Green River. So yeah, it was it was a really cool experience. Um, so definitely uh, take a look on our website. Uh, next week, we should have a trip report with a GPX file and all that, although uh, it's a little cold now for, uh, for bikepacking out there, I think. As I look outside, it's like 10 degrees in Crested Butte and, oh, we got, I think, 17 inches of snow um, over the weekend. So uh, I'm sure they got a little bit of snow, but it's actually, Moab's probably riding fine, at least the stuff close to town. 
so yeah, that kind of leads me to, you know, the drop bar. When I went on the Y cycles, um, trip, you know, I was using drop bars in that area. And when I went on the trip with Lindsay, I was using a regular 29 er hardtail and there's going to be a portion of the American trail, which I don't know if you guys have heard of, but it's from North Carolina to Oregon and it spans 5,000 miles or so. It's going to be similar to the tour divide, but double in length. It's going to be pretty crazy. Um, but I was kind of out there scouting part of the route in Utah outside of green river. And it's going to be, it's going to be Sandy. It's going to be pretty rocky. Um, so I was just trying to think, all right, will a drop bar mountain bike work out West? Obviously there's a ton of flat and rolling Hills, pretty good gravel roads out East. And I was just trying to think, will this will, you know, a drop bar mountain bike work well out West or even just a gravel bike. And I'm leaning towards no. Um, especially if Billy and I decide to put on, uh, put in a bunch of single track on this route, which is not on the, the original, um, Trans Am trail moto route. There's obviously they can't do any single track on those motos. So I think, putting in that single track will keep people honest. And I think it, it it's for their benefit because uh, drop bar mountain bike is great. Gravel bike might not be the best option for this, this uh, route, but yeah, I mean, it's anybody's call really. It's personal preference. Um, I think the fastest will be uh, a drop bar mountain bike, flat bar mountain bike with, Arrow bars, similar to what you would see on the Great Divide mountain bike route, Tour Divide. And I think if you guys have any questions about that, I don't, I've ridden part of the route, but I think it would be a fun topic of conversation in the coming months as we get closer to that ride. If you guys have any questions, send them my way, neil at bikepacker.com. And uh, I'll hopefully be able to answer those for you if you're interested in riding it. As far as content is concerned on bikepacker.com, we've put out a ton of really good stories recently. Um, but we also just put out a gift guide and it's it's that time of the year. Obviously, all the Black Friday, the Cyber Mondays have passed and you probably still haven't shopped for all of your loved ones or friends or family but if you get a chance, head over to uh, head over to our website, and in the search drop bar, um, click gift guide, and you'll you'll see it right away. But a few standout features that we have kind of handpicked. So the the whole gift guide is from our editorial staff. We have about ten people that work with us on reviewing products because we can't do it all um, between Lindsay and I, and we review these products and take a look at them and, and more times than not, we give them a, a very thorough test. So it's not just a one trip type review. It's going to be over an extended amount of time because that's what bike packing does. You know, if you're on the tour divide, you don't want to purchase a product that you, that we review for a day. We want to, we want to, you know, test it in the long term. So that's what we do with all of our um, products that we get in for review for the most part. And one product that we just got in for review that 
we took on the the Utah trip and I've been using on the daily on my fat bike is the Revelate feed bag. Um, and I would assume many of you have used the Revelate feed bag in the past. Revelate's the number one bike pack manufacturer out there as far as I think uh, revenue, but it is a completely Eric completely redesigned this feedback feedback to make it um, one handed friendly. So essentially what you can do is stay on the bike and keep your left hand on the bar and your right hand can undo the, undo the strap to loosen it up and you can grab whatever you need in there. And then the, another strap um, by just a simple tug of um, a bungee cord will close the feedback to secure it. And I found it really easy to store my Sony a 6,000 mirrorless camera in there as well as, like a lens at the bottom because it's really a deep feedback deeper than many of the other feedbacks out there stem bags i like to call them so that's definitely a bag to take a look at the other bag we recently saw or we recently have been starting to test and actually we're almost done testing is that alpamayo um, handlebar harness and it's basically um it's a really burly harness but it comes with these huge spacers on it it really just kind of sets the bag off the handlebars, allows your cable and housing to breathe and not bend. And it's super, super stable and it's really light and secure and it holds any aftermarket dry bag, but it also comes with a, a regular dry bag, X-Pack dry bag. But I found that using like, I think it was a 10 liter standard outdoor research, or actually it was ultra light outdoor research dry bag. Uh, worked really, really well with it. And uh, we've been using it with that and really have been happy with that. Um, and then, I mean, just a shout out to all these other guys, you know, um, Andrew, the maker makes some really cool, unique um, custom frame bags, um, Wildcat gear, the Wayfair and Dover Tiger. It's uh, the lightest um, harness saddlebag we have used. So if you're racing, this is a really good option for you. That's what I used on the Arizona trail race this year. Really cool bag. The rogue Panda designs Oracle, the down to bag. It fits all of my tools. Really cool. And we'll, we'll touch on tools here in a second. The good to go foods. Uh, I don't know if you've had it yet. If you haven't, it is amazing. The Thai curry is easily the best camping meal I've ever had. AeroPress, love my AeroPress. Green Belly Meal to Go. This is a really cool, delicious bar that has a ton of calories in it. So that's something to check out. And then, oh, and we talked about this with Mark the other day, but the uh, Gaia app, we have a review out on the website now and it's linked in the, uh, the gift guide. It's $20. It's kind of an expensive app, but if you have the time or if you have the money, um, it's something I would highly consider. I was actually riding on a, a plane from Denver to Montrose, Colorado, uh, on Monday. And I actually recorded it because you can use it offline. And I was watching the progress of our flight and it was really cool to see like the things we were going over and just like the speed, the altitude is, it was kind of mind blowing. So it's just a, a great app to pass time, not only, not only pass time, but use on, uh, on a bike packing trip. And then the, uh, 
the anchor power core. It's a external battery pack. We could have a whole conversation about battery packs and dynamo hubs, and maybe I'll focus one of our episodes on that down the road. And then there's a bunch of apparel, the Giro D and D wool gloves. It's they're really awesome, comfortable and stylish. Nemo Apollo tent, one of our favorite tents we've ever used. It's a mid tent with just a singular pole, really bikepacker friendly. Sea to Summit has a really awesome um, uh, sleeping pad. Sierra Designs. I mean, yeah, we've got so much stuff in here. Oh, and that Bedrock Bag Spot Harness. If you guys, <laughs> so I lost my spot back on the Arizona Trail, right outside of Mormon Lakes, and and so uh, Andrew from Bedrock heard about this, and he designed a spot harness to hold the spot securely on your frame or on your backpack or anywhere. Um, so if you guys have ever had issues with that, I think it would be something worth your while to purchase. Oh, and last but not least, if you guys have not seen this match stick from industry nine, it's a, it's a through axle, 15 millimeter through axle. So that's basically the standard right now for forks, but it's a through axle tool. So it has all the tools inside this, this through axle chain brake tool, everything you can need. Um, and, uh, <laughs> it's just really cool. I can't wait to get my hands on one of those. So yeah, head over to our gift guide. I didn't want to talk too long about that, but so yeah, I guess winter is here. Like I said, I've been looking outside and it's snowy and, uh, a few kind of winter tips. If you're, if you're new to winter cycling, I think there's <clears throat> a few pointers that I would give you and everybody does it differently. But here in Colorado, we have, we have pretty dry snow, but it still cakes to your SPD or your pedal. And a lot of people don't use clipless pedals in the winter. They use flats. I, I use clipless just because it's what I'm used to. There's, shoes out there. Um, there's Lake Lake makes, uh, a fat bike shoe 45 North makes a fat bike shoe and Trek Bontrager makes a pat, fat bike shoe now that has, um, <coughs> clipless compatibility. And what I do is I spray a little Pam or, um, like aerosol spray oil on the SPD. And what this does is it basically prevents any snow from caking on in those nooks and crannies inside the the SPD. So you can clip right in instead of having to kind of pound off the, uh, the snow that's caked under your shoe um, because it happens because, you know, that cold metal um, kind of uh, wants to, you know, wants to get that snow caked on there. And, uh, and that's something that happens. So if you, if you, spray that Pam on there. I think it uh, is something that will definitely prevent that, especially if you're out on a winter ultra, that's something that's super, super important. You know, you don't want to have to deal with that out there. So uh, easy, um, easy fix is you spray some Pam on there. The other thing is pogies. I'm sure many of you have heard of pogies, but it's basically a, a barrier around your handlebar. And what I like to do is I like to just be able to carry or wear a, uh, a simple glove underneath my, um, underneath my pogey because it just gives me a good feel on the handlebar. It's no different than me riding, um, you know, uh, compared to summer riding, fall, spring riding. 
that's a, something I would consider riding with. Um, and we have a great resource on bikepacker.com. Um, and if you just search pogies on the internet, I think we're number, we rank number one. So definitely check that out. There's a bunch of them. 45 North has them. Wolf tooth components, dogwood designs, which has uh, been around for a while. They're up in Alaska. Um, and then a bunch of a bunch of smaller companies. Um, so yeah, head over to our, to our website if you're interested in purchasing pogies. And then if you're, if you're in a climate, you know, say 35 or say 35 and up, um, there are gloves out there, you know, the lobster gloves, that's something to definitely consider if you don't want to use pogies. Um, some pogies are definitely, uh, there's a small learning curve, um, especially if, uh, you're riding on single track and, um, you want to release your hands if you're falling or something like that. Sometimes they can get stuck in there. A lot of pogies though are now designed for a quick release. So um, that's something you shouldn't worry about. But yeah, so basically I wanted to just start that conversation. Um, I'm going to be riding on snow for this next six months or so, um, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, so if you have any winter cycling questions, winter ultra questions, I don't have a ton of experience in winter ultras. I've done the arrowhead once and dropped out due to food sickness. And then I did the fat pursuit 200 K two years ago. And then the fat pursuit last year, um, the 200 miler. And then I'm heading back up to do the 200 miler this year, as well as heading up to Alaska to do the ITI 350 in, uh, the end of February, which is, kind of like what everybody thinks of as the biggest bike packing winter ultra out there. So I'm really looking forward to that. So I've been starting my training and, and getting my bikes together, bike together and trying to dial in what kind of tire pressure I'm using. And so if you have any questions about tire pressure, tires, shoes, gloves, layering, hit me up at neil at bikepacker.com. All right, so we got two really good questions from um, readers this week. The first being from Will, and he asks, what are some tips to wake up and pack up quickly in the morning in a big race? And that's a really good question. And this can be translated to regular bike pack touring. Um, and I kind of realized this last or two weeks ago when I was in Utah um, it's, it, you waste a lot of time lollygagging in the morning. And if you have, we had, you know, we were out there after daylight savings had ended. Um, so it was something that we really had to focus our time with, you know, trying to be efficient in the morning. Um, because come five o'clock it's dark. So trying to wake up early, you know, eat breakfast a little bit quicker. Um, you know, obviously when I'm touring, I want to have coffee and relax a little bit, but to a point. So what I do when I'm racing is I have my phone in my sleeping bag and I set an alarm and I use my phone because the alarm is super loud and it's something that I know I will, I will wake up from, I used to wear a watch and sometimes I slept through the alarm or the alarm, the watch died or what have you. So I sleep with the, I sleep with my phone, wake up. And basically the first thing I'll do is just like 
kind of collect my thoughts for like a minute and be like, all right, what do I need to do this morning? Because you're sleeping, you know, it's, you get three hours of sleep, four or five hours of sleep. You're kind of out of it. So I collect my thoughts, get out of my, get out of my, um, uh, sleeping bag. Sometimes I'll, I'll eat a quick snack. Um, if I have like a leftover Subway sandwich sitting next to me, I'm going to want to just eat that right away because it's probably going to go bad. Uh, a lot of times I'll have like a quick caffeine shot or something like that. Uh, and then slug some water just to try to hydrate up. And then basically right away, just pack up everything, pack up my, um, sleeping bag, pack up my bivy and my, um, saddle system. And, um, what I'll normally do is I'll drop my, my bibs in my sleeping bag so that things can air out. Um, and for my bibs to kind of compress a little bit more, you know, cause they're already super stretched out. So I don't want to wear them if I don't have to. So I'll throw those by my feet and just let, you know, let everything down there air out. And then, um, and then I'll just pull them up before I get out of my sleeping bag. And what I do is usually I'll just, if it's a cold night, I'll, I'll be wearing a down coat. So I'll wear that down coat, pull up my bibs and then get out of my sleeping bag, you know, pack everything up. And, uh, and then once everything's packed up, I will kind of layer myself accordingly for the weather that day or that morning rather, and then eat a little bit more, drink a little bit more and basically turn on the GPS again the spot will already be activated. Yeah. And that's about it. You know, it's a simple procedure, but it's, it's actually really important to just get up and go. And that's one thing, one reason why I really don't like to sleep in hotels. Um, I really don't like to sleep in towns as much because it will definitely hold me up. If I'm I try to focus on the night before, you know, get in a town if it works out, resupply there and then keep going because once you wake up the next morning, you have way less distractions. Um, you just get on your bike and roll. Um, probably the most difficult thing I run into in the morning after I hop on the bike is how much my butt hurts and trying to work that in. A lot of times I'll put on some like diaper rash cream um, in the mornings just to, or even at night, just to heal, heal those sores. But I'd never use any chamois butter, chamois cream, just because A, it stretches out the chamois bib overall um, through the long term. And B, it's ha it, it hasn't worked for me. Um, what I tend to use is just some A&D diaper cream to heal sores. But more times than not, I really don't have any butt issues other than working that, that sore in, in the morning. It's a, uh, it's a tough time. And many of you know what I'm talking about, but yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, I just, I think the main takeaway from, from getting out in the morning is being efficient as, as efficient as possible. Yeah. Just getting out of your sleeping bag, packing up, eating a little bit, hydrating a little bit, and then getting on the bike, you know, more times than not, it's best to just get on the bike and ride slow and you can kind of get situated, eat a little bit on the bike, but the goal is to finish. If you're racing, you want to race, you know, you, you don't want to waste time. So if you can get on the bike and even just ride slow, that's better than lollygagging in the morning. 
So, well, thanks. Good question. And then Nick asks, what drives your decisions regarding repair kit items slash tools for repairs to your bike, bags, and body? So the body, uh, to just kind of piggyback off of the chamois cream, I do, I do bring, um, a leave Advil, um, or ibuprofen. I haven't found works for me very well, but one a leave does. Uh, I don't know why it is. I've asked, um, friends that are nurses and doctors and it's just what my body wants. I think it is, I think it's because I use ibuprofen more so. I hardly use ibuprofen in general, but I use it more so um, during day-to-day life. But when I'm out bikepacking, I use a leave. I don't know. But like if I have like severe knee pain that I have to get through, I'll take one a leave and it typically lasts 15 hours. You know, for body, um, I use Salon Paws a lot. It's just like a icy hot pad, but it's that it's a different brand and it actually does have a little bit of ibuprofen in it. Um, so I'll put those on aching spots like my Achilles, um, through the tour divide. They were creaking like crazy. I threw those on and it kind of, it, it made it feel a little bit better. Uh, and I forgot it. And then, you know, just a, a standard repair kit, uh, band-aids, neosporin, you know, gauze, things that I would need just in case, you know, I fall, Tour Divide, two years ago, I took a really bad tumble in the the Great Basin, really close to Wamsetter, actually. And I seriously thought I broke my leg. Luckily, I didn't. But the uh, the one thing that came in handy was wet wipes. You can get them at standard grocery stores. You can get them at uh, gas stations. It's just those, like, the green or the red wet wipe container things. And... They work really well. They cleaned out my cut. I use them if I have to use the bathroom um, just to clean it out up there, down there, uh, which is, I mean, super important, especially on uh, a ride like the Tour Divide, even Colorado Trail or anything above 500 miles. So, yeah, that's like the one thing that I don't leave home without, whether it's a tour or a race. I don't leave home without the wet whites, wet ones, wet wipes, whatever it's called. Yeah. It's just, they're awesome. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, at night, sometimes I'll use it on my face to just clean it out. You know, a lot of times after day after day, just your face is filthy. Sometimes it's helpful when you don't want to put on more sunscreen cause that's a block already, but, um, the wet wipes are great. So that's what I use for my body. Um, for bags, I carry a curved needle, nylon thread, Tyvek tape. Oh, what else? That's about it to fix my bags. I've actually never had to repair a bag out in the field, which is a testament to all the bag makers out there. I've used dozens, if not more, different bag makers um, gear on races and tours. And, um, I've never really had one fail where I've needed to. sew. I've had zippers fail, but not, uh, not any seams or anything like that. So that's what I would use for, for bags. I would also use that system for a slash sidewall. Um, so if I have gotten a, a slash in, you know, Arizona, 
something that I would really be focused on doing is keeping that, that tire and that wheel tubeless setup because you're bound to go over more, you know, you're bound to go over sharp pointy things that are going to penetrate that rubber. So being able to, to sew a slash sidewall is really important. And that's why I use the curved needle because it actually gives me better, um, I guess, better leverage when you're trying to thread through a slash rather than having a straight needle. Straight needles will work, but the curved needles are just so much easier to use um, when the tire is on, seated on the, uh, on the, on the rim. And what I would do is, you know, a bunch of stands probably already fell out after you slashed an inch sidewall on your tire. What I would do is start threading the tire um, slash there. I would do a pretty good job of that. And then what I would do is I would probably put a little bit of super glue over it and then maybe rub a little bit of dirt on the super glue to just kind of maybe fill some holes there. Um, and then I would put a little bit more stands in there. I would, I almost always carry a two ounce extra spare uh, container of stands. And I would probably put half of that in there. If I was having issues, I would probably put it all in there and then try to focus on where I could find some more um, down the road. And then I would, you know, after I put the stands in, I would um, get my Big Air or the the propane canister, the really light CO2, but it's propane and I think it's a mixture of something or or your CO2, whatever you have. And then I would blast that in there and, and hope it works. You know, I would take the tire off and ensure that the slashed sidewall is really just the stands is just like sitting on it and I would maybe bounce it around. And if it's, if it's leaking out, I would just start rubbing a ton of dirt on it and, uh, and basically hope it it would seal. And if it doesn't, I would have to probably put a tube in it, but if it does, you're in luck and just, just keep monitoring it. And if it keeps leaking, just get your pump out and just keep pumping it up until you can get to a bike shop. Really. If it doesn't hold, put the tube in and, just, you know, just be easy on it. Typically you're going to want to run a little bit higher tire pressure once you put the tube in just because um, you don't have to deal with pinching a tube and then you're really out of luck. And the worst thing you want to deal, do, deal with is starting to patch tubes out in the, out on a bikepacking race or trip. So that's that. And then what else for repairs for bikes? You know, I have a, I have a, repair kit on bikepacker.com. And I basically carry all of that except a standard shock pump. Um, what I do carry is a, a pump. I think it's Lizine pump that can take Schrader or Presta. And so it works really well with shocks, but it's really difficult to put in more pressure just cause it's, it's not, it doesn't work the same as a shock pump, but if it, in a pinch, it'll work, you know, bolts for cleats, um, bolts for uh, rotors, spare brake pads, extra bolts for like a stem, something that would break there. Like just all the bolts on your bike, derailleur hanger, anything that could break, I basically carry a spare because you never know. And if you're out in the middle of nowhere, especially not close to a bike shop, and and if you're on a race where you have to drop out because of that, you can't restart, you know. In the Tour Divide, you can travel backwards. Great. But Arizona Trail Race, Colorado Trail Race, you can't. What else would I bring? I would have to go back on to repair kits on my website. 
So yeah, so going back to tires, you know, tire lever, the way I can get stands in is I have a valve core remover. Um, that's super, super important to have. I'll also bring a patch kit, you know, and a, a park tool tire boot. Um, just cause you know, why not? It's weighs next to nothing. I'll actually bring a spare cleat, um, some extra, um, some extra, uh, links of chain, um, a number of quick links and make sure you have the quick link for your specific speed. I've been using a SRAM Eagle all fall and realized, Oh wow, I've had 11 speed quick links in there. Um, that won't work. So make sure you have, you know, the, the proper equipment for your specific drivetrain. Zip ties go a long way. Um, they'll work for if you break your, um, your bags, just put, or your zipper, um, on your bag, put a hole, on either end of your bag, zip tie the zipper closed. If it's like a huge bulge, if the, the zipper completely failed on you, um, and figure out another way to, to get to your, to your belongings. Like I said, Tyvek tape, just a small little handheld knife, a thing, something that really comes in handy. If you're do, if you do have tire issues is the Shre the Presta to Schrader adapter. I actually keep that on one of my wheels one of my valves and say I'm at a gas station and I need to put in more, uh, tire pressure, in my tire, I'm not going to waste the energy or waste a CO2 canister. I'm going to just, you know, use the, the, the air, the dollar, the four quarters, um, that it takes to, to, to get that air in my tire. So that's, you know, something, something to think about spare spokes. That's another thing you want to think about and know how to, how to use as well. Not every spoke will fit every tire, every wheel, every single rim and, and hub combination is different. Um, even it's different on each side as well for many rims and, and hubs. So that's something when you have a, like a wheel builder, make some wheels for you, just, Hey, have them send you some extra spokes and, uh, and nipples and, and have them just tell you what side they they will go on and then i'll also carry a bunch of i'll carry a, a like a four or five hex key whatever it's usually a four and that's just because a, a hex key with tape on it and that's like the most common hex key i use so i'll wrap electrical tape around it my nylon thread around it and some gorilla tape and it just kind of it's a super functional piece of repair gear a lighter, super important, just in case things hit the fan um, for for race purposes. Some extra one wrap strap if your Velcro busts open on your stem bag or something like that. You're gonna want an extra. I also carry an extra piece of Velcro if you have the time. You can sew that into your broken zipper um, and have it Velcro shut for the the time being. Some rope to help repair that zipper as well. And then as far as like everyday maintenance, I will carry a thing of Dumont Tech Lube, the blue stuff. That's uh, what I found that is the best lube that I have used and I've used quite a bit. And then I'll also carry a rag and I won't use the rag as often as I put on lube, but I will if it gets really caked on. And that's about it. Tire lever. And then probably obviously the, uh, the, the most important thing is a chain brake tool. So if you have a multi-tool with a chain brake tool on it, great. But 
a lot of times those tend to break. Um, they're not that strong. So getting a tool that is pretty burly, um, that has every single tool that you need to fix your bike is super important. A lot of those tools just don't come with everything you need. You know, you could be in a pinch and you don't have the right tool. So make sure you have the right tool for each one of your bikes, really, if you have a, a number of bikes. So yeah, so that's basically it. And if you guys have any questions on on the tools I use, definitely head over to bikepacker.com slash bikepacking dash repair dash kit. And that has everything basically I carry and Lindsay carries as well. Definitely important to have. So yeah, go, go there. If you have any questions that you want me to answer next week or something like that, just uh, shoot me an email on that. And then, yeah, last but not least, there are some great questions, Will and uh, and Nick. Thank you very much. But yeah, upcoming events to f- to close it out. There's a bunch of stuff going on right now um, in Florida, the Baja, and then fat biking. So the Cross Florida Individual Time Trial starts December 10th, and that's a single track samurai production. So head over to his website for more information, and then. Um, the Fat Pursuit is January 6th through 8th up in Island Park, Idaho. Really cool event. Fourth year. Um, Jay Peterberry puts that on. It's got more climbing than the the 200 miles, more climbing than the 350 mile ITI, to put it into perspective. It's not easy. 27 hours was the fastest time last year for the 200 mile version. It takes a while. And depending on conditions, if they're soft, it could take a very, very long time. The Baja Divide is going on basically right now. It's a, the season. It's not a race, but it's rather a, the tour season. Many people are out there already. Nicholas Carmen's out there. Shell Money's out there. Lit with uh, Lale's out there. Sarah Swallow. Uh, yeah, there's just a ton of people out there riding, riding bikes down the Baja. Kind of jealous. Drinking Tecate at night enjoying beach life, but, uh, I'll get down there soon enough, but yeah, that's ramping up. I think there's a a huge mass start on January 2nd. That's all full, but, uh, head over to BajaDivide.com, I believe, or search Google Baja Divide. Um, if you're interested in, uh, touring that Nicholas and Lael did a fantastic job on getting that, uh, together. And then January 30th, we've got the Arrowhead Ultra. That's all sold out. Oh yeah, and uh, for the Fat Pursuit, if you're interested in racing that still, you can. That's uh, wide open, both the 200 mile and the 200K. And then Arrowhead Ultra, January 30th, um, that is all sold out. This year, they have a unique twist on the race, the unsupported. So start with what you will finish, or rather, you're not allowed to use any of the checkpoints. Uh, And there's, I think, three checkpoints along that route. So um, that's kind of a unique twist on the race. And then the Hurricane 300, February 4th. That's a very popular race in the bikepacking community. That's another single track Samurai production. And then Florida Divide starts February 29th. Uh, and that also is a single track Samurai production. So yeah, that's uh, that's some upcoming events. I'll probably touch on the Arrowhead and January, February, March events on the next episode of Bikepacker Radio. But yeah, again, I want to thank uh, Ben Welnack for putting um, putting together an awesome network of mountain bike radio podcasts and, and shows. 
Um, if you are new to listening, definitely check out all the other shows out there. Last Aid Station is great if you're into racing. Just Riding Along is a funny banter of three people that uh, like to talk bikes and technical bike bike uh, bike stuff as well. And then, yeah, there's just a ton of stuff. The Path, it's a great show, yeah. So check it out. Um, but until next time, definitely send over some questions, neil at bikepacker.com. I'd like to answer at least five questions each episode. So shoot, shoot your questions over and I will go into as much detail as possible. All right, guys, have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening. 